We'll take our text this morning from the book of Acts, chapter 4. We'll look at two verses, verses 19 and 20. But Peter and John answered and said unto them, Whether it be right in the sight of God to hearken unto you more than unto God, judge ye. For we cannot but speak the things which we have seen and heard. Of course, this account, like many accounts in the Word of God, this is one more time when some of Christ's disciples were hauled before the council and commanded not to preach or to teach in Christ's name, not to testify. I love their response. God help it to be our response. If we're confronted ever in that way, I said, we're going to obey God rather than man. But I like verse 20. It says that we couldn't help but speak of the things which we have seen and heard. You know, as Christians, if the Lord has saved you, if you've repented of your sins and the Lord has made you a new creature in Christ Jesus, the Lord compels you to testify, to be a witness, and that should be uh, the feeling in our heart. We can't help but tell of what we have seen and heard and experienced. You know, the Great Commission, Jesus commanded his disciples to go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature, to make disciples of all nations. That word preach means to testify, to tell, to proclaim. This is the way the gospel is spread. This is the way God chose to spread the message of salvation was through those that experience salvation and are willing to testify. Uh, Very important. Our testimony is very important. You know, I never for I'll never forget. I, I saw a poster several years ago. They had it on the wall of the high school class in Los Angeles. And. It said, if the world accused you of being a Christian, would there be enough evidence to prove it? I've always thought of that. That stuck with me all of these years. I'm sure we've all been accused of things in our lives. Sometimes we were guilty. Sometimes we were innocent. Nobody likes to be falsely accused. When we're falsely accused, we we spend a lot of time trying to prove our innocence. My dad told a story one time years ago. He and my mom were just married a short time. They were living in Los Angeles. And he said one evening, it was a nice uh, summer evening, so he decided to go out for a ride on his motorcycle. He had a Honda motorcycle. And so he was driving around Beverly Hills. He didn't live there. He just was visiting there. And uh, very shortly after he was in that area, he was pulled over by a couple of police officers. And they told him to park his motorcycle and get in the squad car. They had to take him down to the station for some questioning. Of course, he had no idea what was going on. So they took him down there to the precinct and they began to interrogate him and they accused him of pulling off a whole string of robberies that had taken place in that area during that time by a man on a Honda motorcycle. They actually called him the Honda Bandit. 
Of course, they wouldn't let him make any calls, so they couldn't establish any alibis. And this went on for quite some time. So then they took him back in the squad car and they said, well, we're going to go to some of these retirement homes and we're going to have the residents come out and see if they can identify you. Of course, he was very nervous. He was thinking, I hope they don't mistake me for the wrong person. Fortunately, they came out and none of them, they said, this isn't the guy, doesn't even look a thing like him. Well, that didn't convince the officers. They took him back to the police station, interrogated him for several more hours. And finally, finally, he was able to convince them he was the wrong person. They didn't have enough evidence to make it stick. He said they were so uh, insistent, though. He said he almost left thinking, maybe I did rob these places. But he knew he hadn't. But he was trying to establish his innocence. You know, there's not too many times when we try to establish our guilt. But if the world accused you of being a Christian, God help us, we would want to say, yes, guilty is charged. And we would hope there would be enough, uh, enough evidence to prove that. You know, I thought of a testimony, a personal testimony. I thought there was really uh, four things that are critical regarding our testimony. Our testimony has to be personal. We have to recognize that our testimony is powerful. Our testimony has to be consistent. And our testimony needs to be current or up to date. I thought about a personal testimony. You know, we must be able to give an accurate, truthful account of what God has done for us. It must be a personal testimony. First Peter chapter 3, verse 15 tells us, But sanctify the Lord God in your hearts and be ready always to give an answer to every man that asketh you a reason of the hope that is in you with meekness and fear. We have to give a reason for the hope that lies within us. And we have to have a reason for that hope. Psalm 66, verse 16. The psalmist says, Come and hear all ye that fear God, and I will declare what he hath done for my soul. Again, you see that personal account of what God did for the psalmist there. You know, no man can give your heart to Jesus. That's something you have to do personally. And you have to experience that personal, life-changing transformation that takes place when you're saved. When you're called to the witness stand, you're not called to give somebody else's testimony. Sometimes others' testimonies can be encouraging and compelling, but really, uh, we have to have a testimony of our own. I remember Brother Wayne Butler told a time when he was about 10 or so, and he said he was down around the altars, he wasn't saved, and one of the saints just leaned over and he said, Are you saved? Brother Wayne knew at the time he wasn't saved, so he couldn't think of anything to say. He just said, well, I'm Rich Butler's son. Well, that's not what the man was asking. So he asked him again, he's saved. Gave him the same answer, I'm Rich Butler's son. Well, none of us could use that excuse. Brother Wayne couldn't either. But the fact is, we have to have a time and a place, a personal account of when the Lord saved us. You know, there are times when only a personal testimony will do. 
Sometimes we can share others' testimonies to encourage somebody who's maybe been going through a situation of someone we heard about, but there are times when uh, only a personal testimony will do. I was reminded of a time several years ago, my wife and I were down in the Los Angeles area. We were actually at the beach and we were there um, with some friends for a birthday party. And my wife and I, as we were just standing there on the beach, we were watching our kids play in the water and an older couple happened to walk by and the man stopped and he struck up a conversation and I thought at the time he just seemed like a friendly enough person but I could tell very quickly he had an agenda he was a zealot and he had personal political views and opinions that he wanted to strongly express and try to convince me of the same thing we were completely in disagreement i didn't really agree with anything he said but he was relentless and he kept trying to persuade me talking about uh if i didn't vote for a particular political party i didn't care for my children's future my grandchildren on and on it went he just and i would try to just tell him we'll just we'll agree to disagree but he wouldn't stop and then he started to tell me what he, why he thought the world was in such a terrible condition. And he told me it's bad policies, bad leadership. If we could just get the right person in there, everything would be better. Well, I'd had enough. And when he stopped to take a breath, I just plunged right in. And I gave him my opinion. Actually, it's not my opinion. It was a biblical view of the problems in the world. And I said, you know, the problem isn't bad policies. The problem is sin. I said, when God created Adam and Eve, he gave them a commandment. When they disobeyed the word of God, the whole world was plunged into sin. And I said, all the heartache, all of the crime, all of these things are a result of man's rebellion against God. I told him, if a man would just turn back to God, follow his commandments, the world would be a much different place. He looked at me like I was crazy. And I'll never forget what he told me. He said, you only believe that. Because you're indoctrinated to believe that. Well, I told him, I said, you know, it's true. I was raised in a Christian home, taught about heaven and hell, taught all these things. But I'm so thankful that I could point him back to a very specific time and place when the Lord saved me. I told him about that very Sunday afternoon at 14 years of age when I knelt by, an, uh, by my bedside there and I just cried out to the Lord. And I told, the, told that man how the Lord came in and he changed me completely. He changed my desires, changed my motives, the things I struggled with. In a moment of time, the Lord took him away and he gave me peace in my heart. I said, that wasn't indoctrination. That was revelation. That was illumination. The Lord bore witness with my spirit that I was a son of God. Well, I think he had enough. And his wife started to pull him by the arm and... She said, I don't think we can do anything here. And I, I wasn't done. And I, I didn't realize it at the time. But later, I, I was following this man down the beach. I was telling him, the Lord can do the same for you. Jesus can change your heart. The Lord can set you free. He can take that fear of death out of your heart and life. And they started to hurry a little faster. But, you know, I'm so thankful that that time I had a personal testimony. You know, the world can debate. They can argue. They can argue theology. They can argue doctrine. But they cannot 
argue against your personal testimony. If you have something, if you have a testimony, God expects you to share it. You need a place where you can look back and say, that's the day the Lord changed my life, set me free. You know, it doesn't matter who we know or what we know, how spiritual a person may be. Jesus told Nicodemus very clearly, he said, ye must be born again. In other words, he was saying, you have to have your own testimony. He was surprised. He says, here you are, a ruler of the Jews, and you're part of the Sanhedrin, and you don't even know these things. Jesus made it very clear, ye must be born again. So we have to have a personal testimony. You know, personal testimonies are powerful. Again, that's the one thing that the critics and cynics can't debate. I thought of some examples. I, I was actually, I just got done reading the testimony of Sister Willie Struhar. And she told about uh, being just a child and she was born in, in a home that was about to be broken up. Uh, her parents were miserable, knew nothing about the gospel, nothing about salvation. They were living there in a little mining town in Arizona, out in the middle of nowhere. And she said at nine years old, her parents were about ready to split up. And she went out to the mailbox one morning, and somebody had sent them an apostolic faith church paper from hundreds of miles away, didn't even know how it got there. So she, she said as a child, she took that paper, and she read it from cover to cover. And in it, she read about testimonies. She said she read about a heartbroken young mother who turned to the Lord and the Lord helped her. And she thought, that's just like my mom. And she read about a man who had been delivered from alcohol and all kinds of addictions. And she thought, that's just like my dad. And at nine years of age, with no spiritual training, no upbringing, that night she knelt by her bed. And she didn't even know how to pray. No one had even told her how to pray. But she said she knelt by her bed and... I didn't even say any words because she didn't know what to say, but she just prayed from her heart. And she said, Lord, give me what these people have in this paper. And she said immediately, she felt the Lord drawing her heart and she surrendered her life to the Lord right there, nine years of age. And she says, the peace of heaven came down in her heart. She was saved. She knew she was saved. Didn't even know what to call it, but she knew something had happened. That night as she went to sleep, she had a dream and in her dream, the Lord showed her the great white throne of judgment. Here again, this girl had never read the Bible in her life, but she could picture Jesus there. And she would picture these people as they come up, they would come up before the Lord. And she said on one side, there were the angels. On the other side, there was this abyss with smoke coming out of it. And she said, as she approached the Lord, the Lord smiled at her and told her to go with the angels she said, rather than that, she hid in the robes and the folds of the Lord's robe. And she waited for her dad to come up in front of the Lord. And as her dad approached the throne there, uh, Jesus rejected him. And she said she was heartbroken. And she began to plead with the Lord, Lord, please save my father for my sake. And in her dream, she said, the Lord turned to her and said, go and tell your father to get ready. End of the dream. She woke up that next morning. First thing she did, she went downstairs just as her dad was coming in. He'd been out drinking all night. He was under the influence, but she told him what had happened. Told him how Jesus had come in and saved her. Told him about her dream. And he was so convicted. At that moment, he said he broke down. He fell across the bed. He cried out to the Lord and God saved him. 
That very morning, you see the power of a personal testimony? She read about testimonies of how the Lord could change others' lives. She was saved and had her own testimony, told her father. Her father prayed through, and for many years after that, the Lord reunited that home. Her mother was saved, and they were able to serve the Lord together for many years. That's the power of a personal testimony. Revelation 12.11 says, And they overcame him by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony, and they loved not their lives unto the death. That's how you overcome the enemy, by the blood of the Lamb and the word of your testimony. You know, not only will your testimony edify and encourage those that hear, but it will edify and encourage the one giving it. Testimony is so powerful. The Word of God says that God Himself takes notice when we testify. Malachi chapter 3, verse 16 says, Then they that feared the Lord spake often one to another. And the Lord hearkened and heard it, and a book of remembrance was written before him for them that fear the Lord and that thought upon his name. When you testify, when you share what God has done, the Lord takes notice. The Lord writes it down in a book. It's a very powerful thing. It says they love their lives not unto the death. You know, I thought of the Apostle Paul. We've been studying him in the Sunday school lessons. I thought right before he was ready to offer up his life, you read about uh, the way he wrote about that event. He said, the time of my departure is at hand. But he says, I'm ready to be offered. He says, I've fought a good fight. I've finished my course. You know, I don't think Paul relished the thought of dying and maybe suffering, but the thought of seeing his Lord and Savior outweighed anything he would have to go through. He didn't fear death. You know, the enemy can't use fear as a tactic. If we love our lives, uh, if we, our testimony is so important as we're willing to die for it, God can give you that kind of a testimony. It's the kind that Paul had. That's the kind we want to have. You know, your testimony has to be consistent. That word consistent means unchanging, steady, always the same. There's a song that Dallas Holm used to sing years ago. It says, don't say that you love them. Live like you don't. You think they'll believe you? I tell you they won't. We want consistent Christian testimonies. You know, is our confidence and faith and trust in the Lord, is our zeal for the Lord the same in every circumstance? Or does it waver when things get hard or difficult? Are we the same person Monday morning on the job as we are Sunday sitting in church? I heard a man once say the problem with uh, too many professing Christians is they come to church and they sing onward Christian soldiers on Sunday and they end up going AWOL on Monday. That shouldn't be the case. Our Christian testimony should be consistent. should be the same wherever we are, whoever we're with. Is it the same at work as it is at school? Are you faithful during the year? How are your personal devotions? Do you spend time with the Lord every day? You know, our children see our example and our testimonies. I've heard many 
And this is no excuse, of course, for not serving the Lord. But uh, many have said, I left the faith or I left the church because of the inconsistencies that I saw in the home. God help us. We want to be the same wherever we are. You know, consistency leads to credibility. If you're the same person, if you're walking the walk and not just talking the talk, it makes a difference. And people take notice. I thought of Daniel. You talk about a man who had a consistent testimony. We read his account there. Um, there were several princes in the province at the time who became jealous of Daniel, but they said he was perfect. They could find no fault with him whatsoever. He had an excellent spirit, and he was consistent. It says the only fault they could find with him, it says, was except we find it against him concerning the law of his God. You know, people are going to find fault with us. God help us to that, let that be the reason why they find fault with us. They knew that Daniel would not waver. They knew that uh, they... they Try to trick the king into signing the decree that if any man would pray to any other god beside the king or make a petition, they would be thrown in that old lines. Then Daniel knew all about that. But you know what he did? He said he opened up his windows and he prayed three times like he'd always done, just consistent and faithful. You know, those men could predict Daniel's response ahead of time. They knew this was the only way they could get him, but they knew even then he wouldn't yield I thought, God, help us to have that same kind of a consistent testimony. You know, when the world comes along and they try to undermine our faith, or when people try to tempt us to do the wrong thing, when people try to get us to compromise, they ought to be able to predict our response ahead of time. They ought to be able to say they're not going to bow. They're not going to bend, just like Daniel. Of course, we know God honored Daniel for that consistent Christian testimony. The whole plan backfired. Those Men were thrown in the, the lion's den, and, and God promoted Daniel. God will always honor those that honor him, but we want to make sure our testimony is consistent. Psalm 106.3 says, Blessed are they that keep judgment and that doeth righteousness at all times. So again, God helping us, we don't want to waver. I don't, we don't want our testimony to be anything different. But what it always is, that we're faithful to the Lord, we love the Lord, and we're putting Him first in our lives. Our testimony needs to be current. It needs to be up to date. You know, it's wonderful to remember past blessings. And the Word of God tells us to count our blessings. That's how we gain encouragement and strength. But we don't want to live on yesterday's blessings. The Bible says His mercies are new every morning. Isaiah 43, verse 18 and 19 says, Remember ye not the former things, neither consider the things of old. Behold, I will do a new thing, now it shall spring forth, shall ye not know it? I will even make a way in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. The Lord can do a new thing. God's the same yesterday, today, forever. We want to make sure our testimony is current, up to date. Do you have the same zeal and the same enthusiasm for the Lord that you did when you were first saved? Do you still have the same excitement about coming to God's house that you had when you were first saved? I'll never forget, as a kid growing up unsaved, I did everything I could to get out of coming to church. 
But the day the Lord saved me, I, I needed to be in church. I felt I needed to be with God's people. It was part of, I, I believe, part of my spiritual survival. And I looked forward to being in God's house. I still look forward to being in God's house. It's not always the most easy place to be, but I'm, I'm glad I'm here. I'll say that. And I look forward to it. How do you feel about coming to God's house? How's your testimony today? Uh, the Lord talked about those that left their first love. And he said, if you've done that, repent. And the Lord will restore you. If you're here this morning and you know as you examine your heart, maybe your testimony isn't what it used to be. Maybe it isn't what it is at all. Maybe, it's, maybe you don't even have a testimony. You know, you could look to the Lord and say, Lord, help me. Bring me back to that place, that uh, place of my first love. The Lord will help you and he'll bless you for it. We want our testimonies to be current. You know, I thought in closing, the Lord is coming very soon. We believe that. We know that. The Word of God tells us that. But I thought about that man Enoch that we heard about in our scripture reading. We don't know a lot about Enoch. We know he was the seventh from Adam, father of Methuselah. We know he prophesied of the Lord's return. He was a preacher of righteousness, but we also know he was only one of two men in the Bible who didn't die. The Bible says that Enoch was translated. You know, it reminds me of the rapture of the church when the Lord returns for his bride. Those that are ready, those that are faithful will be translated out of this old world. But we read in Hebrews 11.5, it says, Before Enoch was translated, he had this testimony that he pleased God. That's what it's going to take. The Lord is coming. He could come today. Some of us will be translated. I pray all of us can be. But you know, we have to have that testimony just like Enoch. Enoch had a personal walk with God. His testimony was powerful. His testimony was consistent. It says that Enoch, when he was 65 years old, he began to follow God for 300 years. He followed God till he was 365 and God took him. You know how he did that? Day by day, moment by moment, just by being consistent, doing what he knew he should do, uh, keeping in contact with the Lord, enjoying that fellowship with the Lord. He had this testimony that he pleased God. The Lord is coming. We know he is. What's your testimony like? Do you have that testimony? Does your life please God? Or are you living a life of hypocrisy? The Lord sees your heart. But you know, the good news is you can have a testimony of victory this morning. You can if you just come and uh, surrender your life to the Lord. Say, Lord, make yourself real to me. If you need to be sanctified, God can sanctify you. The Lord can add to your testimony this morning. God is faithful. We want to be like Enoch. And you can have a testimony. Your life will please the Lord. God will help you. Every day, let's sing 489. These altars are open.